Well, it is Pentecost, and there are two reasons that we observe Pentecost in the church. The first is to explain the Presbyterian Church USA symbol. I only get one one day of the year to explain this symbol. Um, let me show you what the symbol is. You've seen it on some of it's on the sign outside and so forth. Um, this the, the Presbyterian Church USA was founded or uh, was was formed in 1983 as the merger of two different Presbyterian uh, denominations, and they came up with this logo. And I think what they must have done is they said, put as much symbols as you can in there. So there's all kinds of symbols in there. There's um, there's you can see at the top there's a there's a bird coming down. Maybe that's a dove. Um, some people say the middle part's a fish. Um, there's a book underneath it because we 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 are informed by the scriptures. Um, underneath that, you can kind of see a cup, but maybe the whole thing is a robe. Maybe it's somebody wearing a, a, a clerical robe. Um, and and so when I first became familiar with the Presbyterian symbol, I thought that's really cool. They've really jammed all these symbols into this one thing. And I, I kept thinking that right up to the day somebody asked me about the flames. And the way he asked is he said. So why is that man in fire, on fire? Is he in hell? And so ever since then, when I look at the picture, I see this. <laughs> so, so I started seeing it in a different way once somebody helped me see it differently. Um, and, and I just am here today to tell you that the flames are not hell, and no, he is not on fire. These are the flames of Pentecost that we heard about in the... Um, in the the writing, so he no, he's not a sad man on on fire, but instead uh, we have happy Pentecost flames there um, that you see in our logo. So um, this is the one day of the year I get to explain that. So now you know um, what is that symbol and and why is it there. So that's that's the first reason we observe uh, Pentecost in the church, but the other is because it is the birthday of the church. You can see we have. We have uh, um, balloons, and the children will get um, to release balloons later and so forth. It is, it is the birthday of the church. And if you read the whole story of the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, you'll see it tells the story of the birthday. It begins in the part we read, which is, which is the important part. Uh, it's about the presents. And then the second part is about the church. So you have a birthday party, and you have presents. And every child knows that. When my son was five years old, I was at a um, a birthday party. It seemed like every weekend he had a birthday party to go to, and um, <clears throat> uh, we were at a we were at a place that was um, it was a farm that had been donated to the city, and it became a park. And so they had like a petting zoo and and little uh, track where they would lead ponies around, and and kids could get rides on the ponies and stuff like that. It was the whole soup to nuts experience for. For farming, they had a tractor and all the rest of this stuff, and and um, we went there for a Saturday morning birthday party. And for some reason, they were running behind schedule, and so uh, they did all the things they were supposed to do. They petted the goats and rode in the tractor and did everything else. But the staff is trying to move us through quickly so they could get back on schedule, and so we actually had about uh, seven or eight minutes at the end to have the the cake and the ice cream and exchanging presents. And then, you know, the staff is kind of trying to push the parents out of the room, and we're all getting, you know, getting this, and we're, we're figuring this out. And um, so did my son, because he, he put two and two together, and, and finally he raised his hand, and he said, excuse me? And the, the, the mom whose son was having the birthday party said, yes, Neil, uh, what is it? And he said, 
Well, I believe it's customary at a birthday party for the people who have come to receive a bag of gifts. <laughs> and and it was so beautiful because because he showed he had figured out how these things worked. Um and he had brought his present and now he wanted his swag bag. Um <laughs> Because that's the way birthday presents work. And um, I think I think when we read a story about the birthday of the church, when we read a story about the giving of gifts, we can kind of be like a five-year-old and say, well, yeah, but what about my gifts? I know that there are, there are uh, parts of the Christian tradition today that are very um, sensitive to the, to the question of uh, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts um, uh, that were given at Pentecost. There's a whole strain of, of um, a whole branch of the, the Presbyterian tradition uh, called Pentecostals uh, that, that really focus very much on the, the giving of these gifts. But other parts of the, of the Christian tradition don't emphasize them as much. Um, and certainly the Presbyterians, I, I can't speak to Methodists as, as well as I should, but uh, certainly Presbyterians do not have a long and a glorious history of celebrating the gifts of the Spirit at Pentecost. Uh, it's been said with some justification that we are the frozen chosen. There's a, there's a joke about how one time the, the Holy Spirit did exactly the same thing at a Presbyterian church that, that he did at Pentecost, that, that he showed up and there was a, a, a rushing sound of wind and, and there was tongues of fire and people all began to speak in different languages. And because it was a Presbyterian church, what happened is, is they leaned over to each other and they said, that's a good point. <laughs> all right, one more, one more. So the, the, you may have heard about the Presbyterian church where the, where the man began to feel moved by the Spirit. He was in the, he was in the church service and, and after something happened in the church and, and he felt moved by the Spirit, he said, Amen. And everybody looked at him like, he was some kind of a freak. But but just a few minutes later, something else moved him in the service, and he said, hallelujah. And now everyone's kind of, you know, nudging away from him because they don't know what's up with that. And then, and then after a few more minutes, he said, praise Jesus. And so an usher came running up to him and said, said um, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to be quiet. This is a church service. And he says, I can't help it. I got religion. And the usher said, well, you didn't get it here. <laughs> so I think that there is, um, uh, I, I hear some, some chuckles of recognition. There's, a, there's an element of truth in these stories about the, the Presbyterian church maybe is not as, as uh, famous for celebrating the gifts of the Spirit as some other parts of the Christian tradition. Um, but there is there is a legitimate question do we do we merely observe pentecost or do we participate in pentecost uh, is is it something we simply nod and say good point yes that's that's i'm glad that there was a pentecost or is it something we participate in one of the things i have tried to do since coming here and not because i had any objections to what was going on before i wasn't here so i don't know what was going on before. But one of the emphases I've tried to make um, as pastor here is to make the worship services as inclusive as possible. Um, uh, you may have noticed that in our bulletins, 
if there are words that are going to be said by you, they're printed there. And the reason for that is sometimes we don't remember what the words are. And so I want you to be able to refer to them so that you don't have to be quiet while everybody around you is saying the right words and you feel, well, I guess I'm not a very good believer because I don't know the right words here. So we put the words in the bulletin so people know what to say. Um, one of the other things that we do is we have more prayers where you're involved in them. We have prayers, unison prayers um, of uh, confession and um, of dedication of our gifts and of illumination. We have opportunities in the church service where people can pray together. Um, and again, the words are there, so if you don't have words, then there's some right there. But but we have them so that more people are involved in the worship service. And it's not people up there at the front who are praying on your behalf, you know, the experts and then the people on the other side who are who are being prayed for. So we try to make the worship service as participatory as possible. But Sunday is just a couple of hours a week. Um, we, we have the rest of the week to deal with. And so we have to ask ourselves, as the people of God, as as the church in the world, is Pentecost is Pentecost something that we observe or is it something that we participate in? And if you're not sure, maybe because you're a Presbyterian and you're not sure whether we actually do that kind of thing, um, or or if you're pretty sure that in fact we we simply observe, then you have a lot in common with the people in our reading today, because there were two groups in that in that story that we read from from the book of Acts. Uh, Luke reminds us that there were the disciples. It's, he says they they were gathered. Um, he's talking about the disciples. They are people from Galilee. Galilee is a, is a region of the country in the northern part of the Holy Land. And all of Jesus' followers, or, or almost all of them, were from Galilee. They had come to get, they had come with Jesus from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem in the south. And after Jesus, uh, uh was crucified and then rose again, um, they stayed in the city. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, stay here. He told them, don't go back to Galilee, stay in the city because something big is going to happen in a couple of days. He said, he said, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So they're visitors who are waiting for Pentecost. They don't even know what they're waiting for, but Jesus said, not long from now, you'll be clothed with power. Now there's another group that's in the story, and that is, of course, the devout Jews. Uh, Luke tells us that there were devout Jews from all over the ancient world, and he gives this long list of different places they came from. They are in Jerusalem too because, because Pentecost is coming, and uh, Pentecost is one of the three pilgrimage feasts that Jews celebrate. Um, in those days, if you were a Jew, you would have to come from whatever town you were living in to Jerusalem on three different occasions, for Passover, for Pentecost, and for the the uh, New Year, the, uh, the, the Jewish New Year, which was in the fall. And so you had to come from wherever you were. Now, as the Jews spread across the ancient world, they didn't always uh, manage to make every occasion. But people would try. They would say, well, I couldn't make it to Jerusalem this year. Next year I'll go to Jerusalem. And then that would be a big part of their, their experience is they would say, okay, I actually got to Jerusalem this year. So, so they would say, um, I'm here at Jerusalem to celebrate this feast, this feast of Pentecost. 
And uh, Pentecost is, is an interesting celebration in the Jewish calendar because there's really not that much to do with it. It's not like Passover where there's a, a, a ritual meal. Um, it's not like the New Year where there's a, a period of time where you, you have a, a time of atonement and uh, cleansing. It's just a harvest festival. All you pretty much do is you go to Jerusalem, you say some prayers, and then you have a feast. And there's really not much to it. It's not a very participatory holiday. It's something that you observe more than you participate in. But that doesn't mean that they weren't looking forward to a time when they could participate. In fact, as we read today in the, the passage from, from Joel, uh, 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 that, that Peter cites from Joel, they were looking forward to the day of the Lord, the, the great and, and terrible day of the Lord when, when um, uh, those who had been evil would be judged by God and those who were the people of God would be rewarded for their faithfulness. So they were looking forward to that, but they had no idea what day that would occur. Would it be this year? Would it be a hundred years from now? They had no way of knowing. But unbeknownst to them, like the disciples, they are waiting for this same occasion. They're waiting for the day when God would pour out their spirit, pour out his spirit on them. What they had been taught is that leaders, people, the odd leader like Moses, somebody like Moses, he had the spirit of God on them. And most people did not. And once in a while, somebody like Moses would come along. He would be gifted. He would have the spirit. And um, as we read in the passage from from, uh, Numbers, uh, God would sometimes share that spirit for a brief period of time among more people. But ultimately, most people did not participate because they did not have the spirit. They couldn't participate in the things of God because the spirit of God wasn't on them. And so... They looked forward like Moses, who said, would that all the Lord's people had his spirit. They looked forward to the day of the Lord when they would. And finally, on Pentecost, it happened. The Holy Spirit came and was poured out on all the believers. In verse 4, we read, all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they received this gift, this gift of speaking in tongues, it's interesting to me as I read this passage that the writer, Luke, teases what it was they did with that. He says, he says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. And there were people who heard the sound and they each heard them speaking in the native language and they said, are not all these speaking, 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 what are these talking about? And we have to wait all the way to verse 11 before he finally tells us what is this message? that everyone is talking about. And it is God's deeds of power. Each of us in our own language hears them speaking about God's deeds of power. What is that? What are God's deeds of power? Are those historical events that Jews would have known from the Hebrew Bible? Things like the passage from Joel? Possibly. Could it be testimonies about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus who has only been gone for a few days? He, he left just 10 days earlier, um, ascended into heaven, and he told the people to wait. Very fresh in their mind, all the things that they had witnessed with Jesus. Maybe those are the great deeds of God. Or maybe it's events from their own story. How it was that they came to 
be a follower of Jesus in the first place. Maybe it was their own experience of what God was doing in their life. Well, chances are it was a mix of all of these. As this, as this crowd each gave a tailored, unique message in the language of their hearer, they probably gave a unique message in terms of its content as well. A unique message for the hearer, not just in the language, but what it was they said. And so we celebrate Pentecost as a day when we remember the universality of the gospel. The fact that the gospel comes to each of us, that each of us can hear and appropriate, each of us can take into our lives the great and mighty deeds of God. The prophet said that God would pour out upon all flesh, even his servants, even fishermen and tax collectors and sinners, they would each receive the gifts of the Spirit. So when we hear the story, we have to ask ourselves, should we focus on those gifts like a five-year-old who feels he's being hustled out of his birthday party? Or should we focus on the giver and his purposes in giving them? Especially the purpose to talk to others about God's deeds of power. I was reading some statistics this week and I learned that Alaska, in almost every metric, ranks near the very bottom of the 50 states in its receptivity to faith. Fewer people here, we're 45th or 46th in terms of the number of people who believe in God or some universal spirit. Uh, we have a very small number of people relative to other states um, who go to church or a, a worship service of some kind on a weekly basis. Uh, fewer people who read the Bible or, or a holy book. Uh, fewer people who pray. Um, by every metric, Alaska ranks very near the bottom of the 50 states in terms of its receptivity to faith. And so I wonder, when I read this passage whether we should focus on the gifts or the story that people told when they had those linguistic gifts, the story of the great deeds of God. See, for most of us, we know people. There are people in our lives, and the only thing they know about Jesus, the only thing they know about God is what they have heard or seen in us. And so we ask ourselves at Pentecost, what would God have me do with the gift? If I have the gift, who should I tell? What should I tell them? Should I tell them the mighty deeds of God in history, in the Bible, the stories about Jesus that have moved me? Do I tell them about the history of our community, the things that I have witnessed in our community of faith? Do I tell them about my own personal experience, what God has done in my life. Well, the lesson of Pentecost is the answer is yes. The answer is yes, we tell a unique message because we have unique hearers. The universality of Pentecost 
is that everybody hears the story of God in their own language. As we tell people about the God who loves them, they can become part of that all that the prophet spoke of. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So he came for the lost. And God uses us. God gives us gifts at Pentecost so we can bring good news to the lost. The Holy Spirit has given you a gift so that you can spread the good news of God's mighty deeds to the people around you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let me invite you now to stand and join in singing our song, number 316, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Mm -hmm.